0: Nehemiah is an Old Testament book. It's written, uh, it happens at the end of the Old Testament, so don't let that throw you a little bit. Uh, It is about a guy who was a cupbearer for a Persian king and decided that he was concerned about Jerusalem and wanted to do something about it. So he took a leave of absence, traveled 800 miles, and tried to help the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem uh, was in shambles. It had been ransacked. Uh, The book of Ezra is about a guy who goes back, named Ezra, who goes back and helps build the temple, but he didn't get to the walls, and the walls got stopped, and so they had sat for a while without any walls, and in that particular culture, um, I guess the way that we would say it, a modern day equivalent would be if um, they had taken your house, and you were building a house, and they had all the studs up, but no sheeting on the walls. Um, so air went through, animals went through, there's just nothing to protect anything inside. Well, that was the city, the city had walls around it, the walls were about two and a half miles long, they were eight to twelve feet wide, they were about forty feet tall. So, when you get in your car, if you go, what way is that, north, north, yeah, if you go north, turn left, if you go out of here and you turn left and you're going north, up to climbing hill, that's a little over two miles. Think of a wall from here to climbing hill, 40 feet tall, so look at your telephone poles about that high, 8 to 12 feet wide, and that's what they're trying to build, from here to climbing hill. The walls of the city had to, when the the Babylonians came through, they basically leveled everything. So the children of Israel now are trying to tackle that project. Uh, Chapter 1, we talk about Nehemiah and why he left. Chapter 2, Nehemiah rallies the people together, and they get all excited about it, and face some opposition. Chapter 3, we talk about how God used everybody. It didn't matter. He used all kinds of people. In chapter 4, we started to see the opposition, and we talked about this the last couple of weeks. You're going to see this in chapter 6, too. The opposition comes from without first. And what happens is, Satan uses the enemies to try to get them discouraged, to try to get them in fear, to try to get them all um, discombobulated so that they couldn't focus on the walls. And every time they tried to, to, to do that, uh, Nehemiah prays and he rallies the people together and they stay focused and they keep working on the wall. So Satan now has to come up with plan B. And this morning we're going to look at plan B. And plan B is if pressure from the outside can't stop the work of God, then pressure from the inside is what's going to be the next attack. And so you're going to find that in your own life. You're going to find that in any ministry. You're going to find that in any organization. Um, Often the pressure comes from the outside first. When that is ineffective, um, then Satan starts to work from the inside out. And you're going to see that this morning. You're going to see Nehemiah dealing with, you're going to see that all through the book, but you're going to see the first problem that they deal with. You're going to learn a lot about conflict resolution this morning. You're going to learn a lot about ministry and how things go forward. So with that in mind, we're in Nehemiah chapter 5. It will be on the screen. Um, and I've got to say this. I forget to tell you guys this too. If you see an asterisk at the end, that means I'm going to keep reading. Helping you guys out there, okay? Uh, It doesn't mean your Bible has the asterisk. That's just so that they know to keep going, all right? So, there was a great outcry of the people, their wives, against the Jewish brethren. For there were those who said, we are sons and our daughters are many, therefore let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were also some who said, we have mortgaged our lands and vineyards and houses, that we might buy grain because of the famine. Then there were also those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our lands and vineyards, yet now our flesh is the flesh of our brethren, our children is their children. And indeed we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves, and some of your daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards." So they come to Nehemiah, there is a big problem. Now let's put it in context. They're in the middle of working on the wall. So they're building this wall, a massive project. But here's the, here's the deal. In the, ti- in the culture, in the, this time period, there was a famine in the land. These are agricultural people. These are people who have, are raising crops. These are people who are raising animals. And there is a famine in the land. There is a drought there is a tough time to make a living when the weather is not cooperating but here's the problem you still got to eat now how do you eat when there's not enough rain and you don't have any crops and there's not any crops there to be able to sell or to be able to eat so what do you have to do you got to do what you get <laughs> cannibalism, yeah. I love teenagers, it's awesome. Um, <clears throat> that's why it's always fun to teach teenagers. They keep you on your toes. Um, yeah, that would be one option. They didn't go there yet. Uh, what did they do? They had to borrow money. They had to borrow money to buy food. Okay? So they've got to start borrowing money to buy food. And the problem with borrowing money to buy food is when you borrow money, you have to have collateral. So what do you have as collateral? Your land, your animals, or your children? So what happened was, people were saying, I know some of you are going, hey, that's sounding good right now. Um, You know, I didn't know I'd get money for them. They're an economic liability to me. If I can make them an asset, that's awesome. Uh, But I mean, what happened is, but that's what happened. So what happened is there were some wealthy Jewish people who came in and said, hey, we'll loan you the money. Now, this is important for food. But I want that section of your ground as collateral. Now, here's the problem. If they have that section of ground now, I don't get to farm it, do I? Or if they take my cattle or my sheep or as collateral, guess what? Now, I don't have that as an asset anymore, do I? And then what they said is, we're also going to charge you interest. And we're going to charge you 1% interest a month, 12% interest a year. So we're going to charge you interest, and as collateral, you're going to give us that section of ground, or you're going to give us those animals, or in that case, if you've already mortgaged everything out, I'll tell you what, you let your kids come and work for us. So now my kids don't get to work on my farm because they're going to go work on somebody else's farm. And so the people came to Nehemiah and they said, Nehemiah, we've got a problem here. Um, that's what's happening. And then he also says, the other issue was the king's taxes. We can't pay our taxes. So we got to borrow money to pay taxes. But there were some Jewish guys who were saying, you know what? Hey, look, we'll loan you the money. 12% interest with collateral. Um, and Nehemiah now has to deal with a whole bunch of people who are really upset because they got to pay, they got to buy food, they don't have money for it, borrow money, pay, buy food, and we've got to borrow money to pay our taxes. Now here's the problem. If you're a student of the Old Testament, here's what you would find out. In the book of Exodus, in the book of Leviticus, here's what it says about Jews. Jews are not to loan money with interest to other Jews. You can give it to them, and you can loan it to them, but you can't charge them interest. Now, what's happened is the Jewish businessmen in the area who have money are looking and taking advantage of the people who don't have money. So Nehemiah has a problem on his hands. Now, if you're a Nehemiah, what do you do? You've got a good group of people here who are being taken advantage of, and what do you do? Here's what Nehemiah does. Going on with the story. Notice what it says. Um, and I became very angry when I heard their outcry with these words. Now, I want to time out. I want to stop here a second. Because we're in a culture which says, oh, Christians should never get angry. That's not what the Bible says. Okay? There is a righteous anger. There is an anger that is acceptable. The Bible is always against uncontrolled anger. But you're going to see, this is not uncontrolled anger. And everybody goes, well, wait a minute, wasn't Jesus angry with... Him? Yeah, but see again, read your Bible. When Jesus is angry in, the old, in, in, the, in that story where he goes over and flips over the tables of the money changers, you know the story I'm talking about? Read your Bible very carefully. He goes in the night before and sees that happening. He spends a whole night coming up with a plan. He goes in the next day and starts flipping stuff over. That was not a, oh no, Jesus saw it, lost it, and started throwing tables. That was a, Jesus saw it, spent a night, came back the next day and said, I'm going to make a public statement. People are going to know how I feel about this. Nehemiah, even in this one, after serious thought. You know what that's a way of saying? Nehemiah says, I went and cooled off before I talked to anybody about this. Listen, you and I need to get, right, get, get upset at the right things. We just don't need to be uncontrolled about our anger, and I think we need to think it through and how we're going to deal with what we need to deal with. And that's what Nehemiah does. So notice what he says. He says, I rebuked the nobles and the rulers, and I said to eat. Each of you is exacting usury from your brethren. In other words, he calls a private meeting with some of these guys, and he goes, hey guys, this is wrong. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing it? Apparently, that meeting got absolutely nowhere. So, Nehemiah goes public. And he said, so I called a great assembly against them. Now, time out for a minute. Why would Nehemiah stop the work and have a meeting in the middle of it with everybody. Because this was important. Because it was important that Nehemiah solve this thing right now. So notice what he says. He goes on. He calls a great big meeting together. And I said to them, According to our ability, we have redeemed our Jewish brethren who were sold to the nations. Now indeed, will you even sell your brethren, or should they be sold to us? In other words, he looks at me and says, Hey guys, here's a problem. Now again, think about this for a minute. I think you have the leaders up here, and you got the priests over here, and you got all the people out there. And Nehemiah gives this speech. And he says, according to our ability, we would do, in other words, he says, look, we were Jewish people in slavery in Egypt. We came out of slavery to be free in the Promised Land. Then, through a whole series of events, we ended up slaves again to the Babylonians and we have worked our way out of that so we're free again and now you guys are putting them in slavery again. He said, that doesn't make sense. We have become freed to become slaves again? And notice what he goes on to say. Or should they be sold to us? Then they were silenced and found nothing to say. What do you guys think about that? They hadn't thought of it that way, had they? And then notice what he goes on to say. Then I said, what you're doing is not good. Should you not walk in fear of God because of the reproach of the nations or our enemies? He said, look, even our enemies don't do this. They're going to make fun of us, and they're not going to believe in our God because of what you guys are doing. And he goes on. I also, with my brethren and my servants, am lending them money and grain. Please let us stop this user. Why are you guys charging them interest? Look, I and my group, we're, not, we're, we're, we're doing the same thing you're doing. We're giving them money. We're giving them grain. But we're not charging them interest. We're not taking advantage of them. And notice what he goes on to say. Restore. <laughs> I love this. you got to understand what this guy does. He looks at him and he says, and that's why I think they're all sitting right here, restore now to them. Even this day, their lands, their vineyards, and their olive gardens and their houses. He says, give them back their stuff. And a hundredth of the money and the grain. In other words, the interest and the new wine and the oil that you have charged them. You give them back everything you charged them in interest. So Nehemiah looks at these leaders. You've got to understand this, folks. These are the money people. And in ministry, you don't tick off the money people. Right? Isn't that what you have learned in church? That, oh, the money people are the important people because without them, the church can't go on. Time out. If it's God's church, it's going to go on. If you do the right thing, God will take care of it. It is not dependent upon the money people. Because Nehemiah puts it on the line and ticks off all the money people. Because he looks at them now and says, give it back to them and give them back with interest, their interest. You do what the Old Testament has said that you should have done. You were to take care of your Jewish brethren, you loan them the money, you let them pay it back, but you don't take the collateral, you don't take the interest, this is wrong. And he keeps and he goes, and then notice what he said. So they said, <laughs> I'm sure they did this, yeah, they're in front of everybody, oh yeah, okay, we'll do that, Nehemiah. We'll restore it, because they knew this was a big, big deal. And we will require nothing from them. We will do as you say. Now, this is awesome, because it normally it doesn't work like this. Um, you just tick them off, and they get mad and take your money and run away. Um, but in this case, here's what happens. He says, we'll do as you say. Then I called the priest. Now, this is what I love about Nehemiah. It, he doesn't just end it there. And they go, okay, Nehemiah, we'll do it. Nehemiah goes, okay, time out. Now, you said you were going to do it. You're going to sign on the dotted line. Priests, come here. We're going to get God involved in this too. Okay? And here's the deal. Then I called the priest and required an oath from them that they would do according to his promise. So he looks at me and says, now you're going, to make a, you're, going to, you're going to make a commitment. You're going to make an oath. You're going to make a promise that you guys will do this. You're not just going to tell us this. So they make an oath. And then notice what he does. Then I shook the fold of my garment and said, so may God shake out each man from his house and his property who does not perform his promise." Even thus, may he be shaken out and emptied. In other words, he takes, his, he takes his robe, his coat that he's got on, and he starts shaking it out. And he says, all right, guys, you don't do what you just said you're going to do. This is what God's going to do to you. He's going to just throw you out on the ground and walk away. That's what I want God to do to you if you don't do what you said you're going to do. Love the next phrase. And all the assembly said, Amen. And praise the Lord, and the people did according to this promise. So in other words, there's an internal issue here. And people are upset. And this is how Nehemiah deals with it. Now, there is a ton of lessons for us today. Okay, So I'm just going to pull out a couple that I think will help us as we head into this week. Here's the first thing. When there was a problem, the people came to Nehemiah. And I think that's important. That's a simple step. But it's a step we miss most of the time. You think about it for a minute. How many times do you know when there's a problem that everybody talks to everybody else but the people who can actually solve the problem? Isn't that what happens, Isn't that what happens in most meetings? Everybody wants to talk about it. Everybody wants to talk about it in the community. And you ask a very simple question like, um, have, we, have you guys talked to so-and-so about it? Oh, no, they won't do anything. It's... If you haven't talked to them, how do you know that? And that's what happens so often. That's what happens in business. Everybody, well, the, well you know, the owners should know this is going on. And you know what? The owners don't know that's going on until you tell them that that's what's going on. Well, you know, this is happening. Wait a minute. Time out. Have you talked to somebody who can do something about it? That's the key. You know, well, you know, if I go and talk to that teacher, they never listen. Time out. Go and talk to the teacher first. Don't assume all of that stuff. You need to go to the person who can do something about it first. People in the military understand this because there's a whole chain of command thing. But we miss this very, very important point. And a lot of times what happens is, I, I was talking to somebody I don't know, last week or week before or whatever else. They were telling me a story about somebody who was complaining, complaining, complaining. Blah, blah, blah. And they looked at them. And they listened to this for like 20 minutes and they looked at them and they said, let me ask you something. What? would make you happy? What decision would you like to see that would make you happy? You know what the person's response was? Oh, you're just like everybody else. It was a simple question. I'm not on a side here. I just want to know what, 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 what would resolve this for you. They want resolved. They had no intention of it being resolved. They just wanted to talk about it. And you know that's easy to do and what I would say is whatever it is you're up against right now ask yourself this have you gone to somebody who can actually do something about it Cuz I think a lot of times we don't we skip this step and then we wonder why there is conflict we wonder why nothing's being done You know I, I mean I I'm really busy right now with the building thing and a lot of people go you know I know you're too busy I don't want to bother you with it dah, 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 dah. but you should know this too sometimes I'm the last guy to know You know I'm the last guy to know stuff, and um, it's some stuff I should probably know. Uh, you know, uh, that, that of stuff that's going on, and, and I think we're pretty good here about trying to deal with stuff as it comes up and try to try to solve it and that kind of thing. You know, the building projects have been great because we've learned how to work together and we've learned who has which idiosyncrasies and and you know. You, you know that if you don't want my opinion don't ask because if you ask i'm going to give it to you um I mean you know we, we we've learned some some really but you know when you work together like we have worked together for the last year and a half, you learn a lot about each other you really do and and that's been awesome it's been great we've had a great time we've laughed probably we probably laughed and ate more cookies than we've actually worked, but that's okay um we're getting stuff done um but the thing is, I think, you know, the first thing you, you learn is you got to go to people who are going to deal with it, okay? Second principle is this, and this is a little bit tougher. You have to be willing to deal with it. See, think about this for a minute. If you're a Nehemiah, there's every reason to not deal with this. Oh, we're so busy with this project. We got to keep the project going. We'll deal with it at the end of the project. Had Nehemiah waited to the end of the project to deal with this? this thing would have blown up early. And I don't know they would have finished it in 52 days. Nehemiah makes this a priority. Nehemiah stops the building, calls everybody together. He now has to risk kicking off all of the money people. He tried to solve it privately, but that didn't work. So now he's going to call a public meeting and he's going to put them in front and he's going to risk pushing them all aside and letting all of them get mad. But Nehemiah is convinced that this is the right thing to do, that he needs to solve this problem, that he needs to dip it in the bud. These people, these wealthy business we're going to talk about them in a minute, but these wealthy people, they were looking at business, they weren't looking at, 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 at the way God wanted it done. Because the Old Testament was really clear how they should have handled it. And they had pushed that aside for business reasons. And Nehemiah calls them on the carpet for it. And is ready to deal with the problem and not just think that it's going to go away. Can I tell you as a pastor, that's what frustrates me more than anything else? And I get people, oh, pastor, you've got to come and talk to us. We're having a marriage problem. Okay. you know, How long has this been going on? Two years. So you've had two years of building issue after issue after issue after issue. And now you want to meet with me and in two hours we're going to to fix it all? Really? I'm thrilled that you want to deal with it. But you know what? By the time we've gone two years, we are now dealing... I tell people it's it's like a plate of spaghetti. At the end of two years, we've got a plate of spaghetti this tall. And the only way to fix it is to pull it out one strand at a time and deal with it. It's a whole lot easier when I'm dealing with a Claire-sized bowl of spaghetti, which go in one of those little bitty cups that has a suction thing that sticks on on our tray, and there's only like 10 or 15 little strands of spaghetti in it. See, the difference between marriages that make it and marriages that don't are marriages that make it learn to deal with it when it's small before it gets too big. They stop, they take the time, they do what they need to do, they get involved in counseling, they get involved in, in other couples, they, they start dating, they start doing the things to build their relationship so that it never ends up becoming this disaster in the end because they haven't dealt with this stuff with your kids. You've learned this. if you deal with it when it's small, then it doesn't get big. But I can't tell you, them our parents is like, you know what you know, it's like, you know, they're like the 10th kid, and this time we're just exhausted. We're just going to let them do it. We'll just deal with it when it all happens. It <sighs> can't be, it's, it's, it's devastating. It's devastating. And Nehemiah makes a bold call here where he stops the work, he calls everybody together, and he says, we're going to fix this. If you're really going to solve problems, that's what you have to do. If you're serious about your marriage, if you're serious about your business, you're serious. About, you, will, you will stop and you will do what you need to do to fix it. And too many times, that's what I say, I see people that they just let it, they just let it, pop. and I get it, when we got married, um, that's a whole other story in itself, but when we got married, um, our pastor backed out like two months before, and um, it just ended up being, so we had to find a new pastor, and we had to, and he had a counseling policy like I do, so we had to go through counseling and stuff like that, so I remember when, when counseling, the best advice he gave us, uh, Halsey, was that his name? Yeah, okay, I still remember the guy. Um, and I, I don't know what else he talked about, but I do remember this. He said, as you go through your marriage, everybody carries an invisible backpack. And he said, when a problem comes out in your marriage, you're going to do one of two things. He said, you're going to deal with the problem in front of you, or you're going to put it, pick it up, and you're going to put it in your backpack. And you're going to forget about it. Another problem is going to come up in your marriage, you're going to do one of two things. He said, you're going to deal with it, Are you going to put it in your backpack? He said, what you're going to find is that you'll go through your marriage for years and years and years and then all of a sudden, some little thing will come up and you'll go put it in your backpack, but here's the problem. The backpack is full. And you will now take the backpack off and you will start dumping out all of these problems that you have never dealt with. Think about it for a minute. Those of you who are married. Your last fight. Was it over something big? Or was it over something little thing that wouldn't fit in a backpack? You know? Um, you know, and that's what happens, And that's why it's so important that Nehemiah stops, takes the time. And Arthur, the reason my wife and I have a great marriage is because you know what? That's exactly what I did. And if you don't know my story, sometime we'll sit down and I'll tell you my story. But long story short, you know what I did? I stopped and quit my job to work on my marriage. That's how serious I was because I realized if I didn't do that, I'd be divorced in five years. And so I look at it as it was one of the hardest times in our life, but I look at it as now was one of the smartest things I ever did. You do what you need to do. You deal with it while you can deal with it right now. Last thing is this. And I want to be careful here because, you know, we don't, we don't talk a lot about money here, but by the same time, we do talk about the Bible. When the Bible talks about money, we're going to talk about money thing. Nehemiah confronts the money people here. Because the money people had developed this mindset that I think is very easy for us to develop as Christians. Okay? So let me try to put your, yourself in the mind of one of these money people who have the resources to help. And, and people take this passage in Nehemiah and they abuse it a lot of ways. People go, oh, you should never borrow money. And they use this passage to go, oh, if you loan money to people, it shouldn't be with interest if they're Christians. And you know, Let's remember a couple things. First of all, these people weren't upgrading their chariot. Okay? These people were using the money to put food on their table and pay their taxes. That's different. And there are other Jewish people who are taking advantage of that who are in a position to help. And I'm sure these other people looked at it and said, hey, look, we're going to help you out. We're going, to give you, and we're going to give you the money, but it'll be 12% interest instead of 18. We're going to cut you a deal. And you know what? I'm not going to take your kids, but you let them work for me for the next year. And you know what? I do need collateral because you got to understand, as a Jewish guy, my banker is going to demand that I have collateral for that money, so I need it. So in other words, from a Jewish perspective, he's looking at it as a businessman." And it was a smart business move. Loan money to people. Have collateral. Know that it gets paid back. And know that if it doesn't get paid back, guess what? You've got the land and the cattle or the kids or whatever else. So it's a a good business move. But it's a poor ministry move. And that's what Nehemiah does. He presents to the people, time out, guys. You need to think about this. You're looking at it purely from the perspective of business. The big picture is this. You're enslaving God's people who have been free and should stay free. And you're giving the enemy ammunition to to attack what God is trying to do here. For your testimony's sake, guys, give them back the stuff that you have as collateral. Give them back their interest. If you, if you want to loan them money, loan them money, but you don't do it the way you're doing it. And Nehemiah says, we're going to talk about this next week, in Nehemiah's example and how he does things, but Nehemiah says, look, guys, I've helped them out. I've been in a place where I've got money. I've helped them out. I've given them grain. I've given them money, but I didn't, take, I didn't charge them interest, and I didn't take collateral, and I, I don't have their kids working for me. He said, you know, if, if you're going to help them, help them, but you're not helping them, you're hurting them. You've got their land now. They can't farm it. They, can't, they don't have the resources now to pay you back. You know, you've got your kids. Their kids are working for you. They can't work for them. So now they're going to get into a spiral of debt. And he said, you guys need to go do the right thing. And so Nehemiah really, really hammers them on this, and, and publicly even. And, and a, uh, kudos to these guys. They go, yes, you're right. We'll go make it right. Because that's what we should have been doing all along. I think here's the lesson for us. It's easy, I think, as a Christian, to put ourselves in an American consumer mindset and forget there's a bigger picture at play. The things that you have, money, skills, time, talent, resources, are tools for ministry. They're not tools for business. And let me explain that. Let me me try to make it really really applicable for you. We're in a culture where, I mean, if you think about it for a minute, um, if you decide today that you don't want to do dishes and you don't want to cook, you can drive to all kinds of restaurants. You can sit down. Somebody will usher you to a table and set you down. Then somebody will come along and ask you what you want for a drink. And they will make sure that your drink is full the whole time. And then... They will let you pick from a wide selection of food. And then they will bring it to you. And they will keep coming back to your table asking, trying to make you happy, to give you more stuff. And then at the end, they will make sure you're completely satisfied. And then they will hand you a bill for it. And you can pay for it. And you can walk out of there. And you don't have to do dishes. You haven't had to cook a meal. You've had somebody wait on you, hand and foot. We call that a business transaction. I paid you for those services. Now, here's what happens in America. We then begin to demand an expectation of that service. So, if they don't bring that drink fast enough, oh, I don't know what her problem is. I don't know what his problem is. I can't believe. Can you believe how whore the services here. And then we start being short with people. Because they didn't do their job the way we think that they should have done their job, or the way we're used to people doing their job, when I'm paying them, and I'm going to, and now you know what, I'm going to penalize them, I'm just not going to give them a tip. I'll teach them. Really? You understand how hard that job is? working with the American public all day long, I'm surprised, if if they're at the end of their shift, I'm just surprised they don't just throw the food at you, honestly. Why not look at that opportunity where you're paying for a service, instead of looking at it as a business transaction, why not look at it as a ministry opportunity? Hey, you know, I hope you have a great day. It looks like it's going really bad right now. And leave them a great tip when you're standing there and that cashier flips on the dreaded flashing light because they can't get the thing punched in right, instead of looking at it as a business transaction, why not look at it as an opportunity to minister because you're paying for something? Why not? I was at at Menards the other day buying something for me, which is unique because most of the stuff I buy at Menards is for the church, but I was buying something for me and um, as I was, I was paying for it, there was a guy in front of me who, he worked out back at Menards. You know, he's one of those guys that loads your stuff out back, and I could tell him he had two bottles of pop. And uh, he didn't have enough change with him, you know, it was in his locker and that kind of thing. So, so he said, well, just put the one back and stuff. And I looked at the cashier, I said, "I said, j- I said give it to him, I'll pay for it. I don't, I don't know, a buck, buck and a half, whatever else. I never met the guy, don't know the guy, don't care about the guy, I don't care about any of that. I just looked at it as you know what? I wouldn't want your job. I've got an opportunity to buy you an extra bottle of pop or buy it for whoever you were going to go buy it for. Here's a buck fifty, man. Go enjoy it because you've got a really bad job I wouldn't want, you know, loading that stuff all day long. Why? Because I'm looking at it as an opportunity to be able to minister to somebody. The money that you have, that's what it's for. The skills that you have, that's what it's for. The talent that you have, that's what it's for. The time that you have, that's what it's for. It's not for you. It's not for me. And Nehemiah was trying to get these guys to understand, look, God has blessed you guys, and you've been able to help these people. Don't don't hurt them. Don't take advantage of them, Nehemiah. I'm not taking advantage of them. My leader, my guys around me, we're not taking advantage of them. We're, we're loaning them money. We're giving them grain. We're taking care of them because we know it's tough. We, we're we in a position to do that. So let us do it. And he looked at them and said, you guys, what you're doing is wrong. You're taking advantage. Don't do that, guys. Let's make it right. And they do. And they make it right. And they make it right. And then, I can name that tune. Uh... Name that tune in 20 seconds or less. Uh, Some of the kids are going, what? YouTube it. It was a TV show. All right? Um, Now I think of, what is it, Beat the, Shazam. That's it, Beat Shazam. That's the new one. Okay, anyway. I digress. Uh, Here's the point, okay? Nehemiah had to help these people understand that our resources are opportunities and tools to help others. That's the challenge for us today. You've been given so much. I've been given so much. Let's use it to help the people around us this week. And when you have that opportunity, what are you going to do with it? You ain't taking it with you. You know? Use, use the stuff, use the, you know, use it to help other people around you. That, that, that's one of the things, and that's what Nehemiah tries to get across. And he, and he changes the, the tone of the whole work project because he deals with it. So here's my challenge. Nehemiah helps us understand that conflicts have to be resolved and confronted. Serious problems are not going to solve themselves. You need to take the time to work them out before they grow into big situations. We need to remember that our money, our time, our talents, our resources are to be used for, to further the work of God in this world. It's not for us. It's for those around us. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, we have been incredibly fortunate here to have a group of people that sacrifice, that help, that give of their time, talents, abilities, resources. And Lord, we have an opportunity where there are so many, Lord, that are in need. Lord, we don't want to be foolish with our, our, our resources. We want to be wise. We want to be good steward. But, Lord, help us as we look at how we use those things, that, Lord, we're not using them in such a way, Lord, that uh, it's more about business than it is ministry. It's more about the transaction than it is the person. And, Lord, may you use us to be able to impact those around us. And, uh, Lord, would, when we have those opportunities, would you, would, would you speak to our hearts and help us to act and not just simply to hear, but to do something about it. And, um, Lord, for those that keep putting off issues, would you help them to start dealing with it, start resolving it, Lord? Take the time, the resources, the energy, the effort, Lord, to fix things now while they're small. And for all of us, Lord, use us this week. Uh, there's a world that needs us. There's a world that needs you. And uh, we will give you the honor going to the praise these things we ask in your name. Amen.